Hi, everybody. It's Mark Corona. I'm a partner and chief marketing officer with Chief Outsiders, the largest network of marketing executives in the U.S. And we work with small businesses, mid-sized businesses, large corporations, typically on growth. And this program today is going to be about transformational growth, a very different model than incremental growth. And I'm glad to have one of my newest colleagues, Anil Singh, join me today. You know, here's a little bit of an introduction to what Anil and I are going to talk about. So we believe there are many different ways of approaching growth. Some businesses think incrementally about building off core revenues and current customers. And, you know, there's really nothing wrong with that. I mean, you should always probably start with what you do well and see if there are incremental ways of improving it. But other companies are a bit more ambitious and think one or two years out, focusing on bringing existing products and services to new adjacent markets. And then there are even fewer businesses that think more openly about growth as transforming their existing business model or starting new businesses, which could add significant revenue and profit streams. So how do you pick one, some, or all of the above forms of growth? Transformational growth seems challenging and risky, so why would you consider it? In this program, we'll discuss what it involves, when you should consider it, and how to proactively manage it to improve results and reduce risks. This is a big topic, and for this show, we're going to focus on answering two questions, why and when. Anil and I feel every business leader who wants to consider a change should first start with an understanding of why and when to consider transformational growth. So Neil, welcome to the program. So glad to have you as part of the practical CMO today. Glad to be here. Now, Neil, when you and I first talked, we quickly found that we had a common passion for growth, specifically transformational growth. I think it would be great if you could share a bit of your background with our audience, perhaps highlighting how you came to be so focused on this topic. No, great. Thanks. And it's really fun to be here. I think it's a great topic of conversation for any CEO these days because market is constantly changing. What I realized through my career was that whether I was working for something as big as Time Inc., the publishing house, or big banking financial services, or even startup or mid-stage companies, one thing that really is common across the board, and that is when companies start finding revenue going downwards when companies find that their market share is being reduced, or when companies find that their product is not relevant or their service is not relevant anymore, transformation growth takes place. So that's what really drove me to focus on transformational growth, which is how do I position this existing company that I'm CMO for? And if we're having revenue issues or if we're having market growth issues, how do I really change the trajectory of this company? And that's what started getting me into transformational growth. Never quite realized that that's what I'm doing. But each time I made the change, I realized it was a major change for the company, which is now we tend to understand as transformational growth. Yeah. And I think, you know, my experiences are similar to yours, Neil, in that the first time I was really encountered transformational growth was in a Fortune 200 corporation that, you know, with a 80-year business history, very successful, very profitable. And some of the executives realized that 
they needed to design a very different future than continually playing the incremental product set forward. We'll talk about some case studies, I think, as the practical CMO, we love to give real case studies and you've got one and I've got one that I think are very complementary to each other. So we'll get into that. So we've got a lot to cover in this session and you know, let's talk about transformational growth by starting with what you think a good working definition would be. Yeah, no, that's such a great point. One of the things that I always try and emphasize or try and understand before any transformation growth is it really means changing an organization to the extent of modifying its business model into either a new direction or a different level of effectiveness, essentially positioning the company for long-term profitability, right? For some CEOs and companies, transformation is perceived as a threat because they have to make major changes, or at least they feel it's a big change, and they don't know how to do it. While for others, it means promising new perspective, new direction. So the way we would manage your core business and transform your future without trading one for the other. So it's very important to understand is that when you're doing the transformational change, you're not foregoing something that you already have. You're building on something that you have, and you're going in a different direction but you're basically augmenting and trying to maximize that. That's really very key for people to understand. Now, having said that, it's easier said than done, right? Every business leader, in my mind, knows how challenging it is to maintain the current business as well as find something new. Finding a new way to maintain your existing business while developing new revenue stream in parallel, it's not easy and may be risky if you don't know why you are transforming and when to transform. So those are two key things that mm -hmm. we all have to know, which is why are you doing this? And when do you really need to do this? Yeah. You talked about specifically managing your core business and transforming your future without trading one for another. You know, as you said that, it made me think about language that you often hear in the corporate marketplace about sort of rebuilding the plane while you're flying it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a big argument for you know maintaining your core businesses or managing your core businesses that a lot of times the value, the investment capital that can get repurposed into transformational growth has to come out of somewhere, right? You can either try to go get it from third parties on the outside, or you know you can use your existing operations, improve the productivity, the cash flow, so that you do have investment to put into transformational growth. You know, do you see that as also an important part of that linkage? Absolutely. One of the key things that really drives this is that every now and then when you're running the company and your business is growing or business is even stagnant, the executive team always think, well, it's a cycle. We'll get over this. We'll come back. And we never really pay attention to what is the underlying factor. Why are mm -hmm. we stagnant? What is really happening? So if you're trying to take control of the day-to-day, -day, you always have to think about, okay, what are the numbers telling us? What is the performance telling us? that I'm not going to have a future tomorrow. So you're absolutely right. You know, it's the balance, the duality, how to really balance that. That is a key factor in transformation growth. Yeah. And you use the word cycles. And, you know, I was talking to talk about two different cycles, right? There's a yeah. virtuous cycle and there's a vicious cycle, right? The virtuous yeah. cycle is when you're generating cash flow and profitability that you can invest in new products, new markets, which creates new revenue streams. 
which improves your operational profile, which generates even more profitability. And you can see how that one works, right? It's kind of a flywheel concept. And the faster you go, the more investment and the more new opportunities you can take a hold of. The vicious cycle is just the opposite, right? Or you wait too long to try doing anything different. You're losing customers, you're losing market share, you're losing revenues, you're losing profitability. And now while your need to transform is even stronger, stronger, your financial ability to do that is weaker. Yeah, so true. And, And I think that really brings, I mean, you're so right, but that really gets me to the next thing, which is what triggers transformation, right? I mean, you just put it right there, which is, you know, you're losing perspective of what's really happening. The way I would say is that what triggers is a company has to always stay ahead of its competition. Whether we like to believe it or not, every company has a competition, whether it's an existing competition or a future competition, right, that we don't know about. You have to stay ahead of the competition and you have to be relevant and relevant to both your product and your services that really provide. So those are really what I would say is the headline of trigger. So transformation to me is closely related to its market share and the competitiveness of its core market. Who am I really competing with? For example, Amazon doesn't say I'm in the delivery business. Amazon says I'm in the consumer relationship business. Delivery happens to be a means, right? It's just how we have to think of it because everybody thinks, well, if there could be another delivery company that could be competing with Amazon, Amazon says, no, I'm really in a much bigger space. Mm -hmm. I'm in the consumer relationship business. So let's just take that point forward. Leading organizations operating in disrupted markets regularly undergo transformation, as I gave the example of Amazon, to stay ahead of their competitors, while others never go through any transformation because they don't face any competition and their market is extremely stable. That's a thought. That is what the management thinks at that point. However, I would challenge that latter thinking, what I just said. Having had first-hand experience with two turnarounds in what was considered to be a stable market, that not being able to adapt or transform is way too risky. And I'll give an example later on Mm -hmm. when we talk about some of the transformation place that I worked at. And how do you really know if the transformational growth is right for you or for your business? What are the indications that starting down this path to dramatic, unsustainable growth is a good fit for you or not? What do you think? Well, you know, I think sometimes when organizations, they see some of the symptoms, right? I mean, pretty hard to ignore revenue declines. Yeah. <laughs> for very long. And yet you see organizations that I've gotten involved with where, you know, you looked at their quarterly revenue over eight quarters or even longer, and you can see the trend downward, right? And you're like, why did you take so long to start thinking about your future, right? I mean, it was sort of incrementally, you know, ratcheting down quarter by quarter. And it was just amazing sometimes for me to see that in an organization's financials and the sort of deferred action around that. I don't know if you've experienced that too. It just sometimes feels like it takes too long for businesses to sort of wake up and realize they need to get moving. That's a great point. And the reason it takes them long, because they're not prepared. And the reason they're not prepared is because they never thought the inevitable is going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Every company has a cycle. Every company has a lifespan, right? We very much, corporations really use this phrase from cradle to grave. But they really never prepare that their customers are going to change, the customers are going to move, 
new things are going to come into the market, right? So yeah. they're not prepared for that. So if you really make it as your operating philosophy or operating methodology by saying, hey, we have to really adapt to change, then how do I really structure the company? How do I really think about my products? How do I think about my services? Because change is inevitable. Go ahead. Well, and I think your point's a really good one. It's like, if you've been in a growing company for a while and you've never experienced a decline in revenues or decline in profitability, right? If your experience has always been in a solid company with at least nominal year-over-year growth, you've never gotten to this point before and you wouldn't necessarily know how to deal with the situation, right? Yeah. So You're right. And that's what going to get us to, you know, why transform, right? Yeah. Which is, we know. And I think we say it's a cliche, but people say, because change is constant, we know it's going to happen, right? So why not be prepared for it? And why is the most fundamental question in transformation? We have to know, we have to understand why we are doing whatever we are doing, right? We all have heard in business, we keep saying, as I just mentioned, the only thing constant is change. Just take this pandemic and its impact. It has recently even, it has changed every aspect of everybody's business. It's not just retail. It's not just small business. It's not just manufacturers. It's changed across the board. Who's going to survive? Businesses that were agile and adapted to the change are the only ones going to survive in the long haul. And why I say that is because we know you have to be prepared for the unforeseen, like the pandemic, right? Who knew that? Mm -hmm. But if you were prepared that my business would change, then you're going to be, it's like, Tylenol, I think in the 80s, if people remember that Tylenol had this big scare, but Tylenol was very much prepared that scares are going to come. Somebody is going to, you know, do something wrong with their product and they have to be prepared how to respond to somebody saying that Tylenol is contaminated. How do I really respond to that? So right. same thing here. Change is constantly taking place because of technology, consumer behavior and innovation and the inevitable, which is unforeseen events, which creates threats for the business, but also opens up a host of opportunities. Today, mm -hmm. the two most critical questions for companies are, how do we manage the core business, as we were talking earlier at the top of the show? And then two is, how do we create viable future businesses and build the required capabilities to do so? Really two key important things. Do you feel that's pretty much the main reason why I want you to transform? I think so, exactly. I mean, there's a quote from John C. Maxwell, who's, you know, one of the foremost thinkers and experts on growth, which is one of my favorites. And Maxwell's quote is, change is inevitable, growth is optional, right? So it's like, if you believe change is inevitable, then even if it's a low probability scenario, looking at different kinds of risks to the business, like in the Tylenol example, or even in the case of COVID, right? I don't think any of the businesses that I worked with, we do a lot of risk mitigation planning in our annual planning, but nobody put a pandemic on their risk list for 2020. And yet here we are, right? But I think your point though, is that it does create a host of opportunities. And just to kind of summarize, sum up this section of this program, if you go back and listen to the last program I recorded with Kyle Arneson, Kyle makes a really, really compelling case for why there's never been an opportunity for growth like there is in the middle of this health crisis, right? I mean, a very different view of growth and opportunities. When should you consider transformational growth? Now, 
And Neil, I know you talked earlier about sort of timing being really critical, right? Share some of your thoughts, your mindset on when and how transformational growth makes sense, if you would. If I could put a little headline, when and how really starts with changing your mindset. At the sea level, the mindset has to be that change is inevitable. That's a big mindset stuff. Though many reasons can justify a transformation, we all know that. CEOs expect growth from innovation. The reality is that most large and mid-sized companies are optimized for incremental growth, right? Not major growth. We tend to, as you said, right in the beginning of the show, it's everything is very incremental. Longer range innovation inherently has higher risk and many companies do not invest in it, even as a result, leaving their brands to grow at a market rate through less risky but less rewarding incremental moves. Meanwhile, more nimble startups, we have heard this story again and again, are disrupting niche and capturing market share as the pace of change accelerates, right? So people said, well, I have a big company, there's enough revenue there, enough market share, I don't think it's going to disappear anytime soon. So incrementally, if I can get 2%, 3% growth, that's good enough. I can maintain my margin. That's the mindset that we have to be watching for because mm-hmm. that can lead you before you realize, as you said, the revenue starts going downhill. Yeah, that's well, a yellow that, flag signal, if not a red flag, red flag I yeah. think, right? I've worked in companies that have grown 100% five or six or seven years in a row. And then I've worked in companies that were happy to get one or 2% annual growth. And I never understood why any organization would be satisfied at one or 2%. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't provide you with much room for error if market conditions turn down. You know, it probably means that you're not really taking any share from competitors. I, it, it's never made sense to me to sort of accept nominal growth as okay. Yeah. And the other thing is that whether we like it or not, and whether we have our radar on competition or not, but there's always somebody else trying to compete and take a market share from you, right? That's bound to happen. It happens in daily life. So does it happen even in business? So disruptive players move quickly because they're nimble with a completely different mindset, offer new types of customer value and capture revenue in diverse ways. There's no way. So I would say that impacting growth, we have to think about growth, is the number one driver of when to start considering transformation. That is the number one driver. It's like, how I'm going to impact the growth for this company. There are more than different ways, new products, new revenue streams, because that should be your number one driver when to start considering transformational growth. And this starts with looking at every available growth levers, both the obvious and not so obvious ones. So Mm -hmm. not so obvious is really the unknown, but how do you prepare for the unknown? And we'll talk about it a little bit later. Now, the obvious growth levers may include improving market performance, improving pricing, revenue. We all know that, right? People do those incremental stuff, boosting customer experience. But it's crucial to look at the less obvious levers, such as ones that fall under the digital landscape, things that we didn't know, things that is going to happen. Ask yourself, how do I start a new digital business within my existing business? How do I compete effectively with those that are trying to take my market share? I know my revenue is kind of stagnant, but the Northeast revenue was great, and all of a sudden the sales has kind of gone down. The other markets don't really seem to be doing that well. So you have to ask those questions constantly. Ask, how do I expand into products and services that my customers want 
as opposed to what I deliver today. Because you're constantly getting feedback from your customers. Look at the data, look at the complaints, look at what things they're looking for, look at what they have shopped somewhere else versus shopping from you or asking for your service. So you have to constantly ask those questions. And this allows you to understand both the near-term marketing and sales performance levers, and also the medium and long-term transformational strategies. If you're constantly looking at your customers' feedback and looking at your numbers, it will tell you where you need to go. In this way, you can reimagine and restage the organization's growth for the next three to five years, right? When and how really starts with the mindset, but also you have to look at what is gonna impact growth as your number one driver for when, and also you have to look at what is the company revenue? What is the company's numbers? What are the customers telling you that you have today that you want to have tomorrow as well as the new ones that you want to get to? Yeah. And you know, Neil, we talked about digital. I just, I think last week I saw a brand new study of CEOs and what's the number one item on their agenda. And it's all about digital, right? Whether it's digital marketing, which is kind of quick to do, right? I mean, you can get started in digital marketing as long as you've got the right guidance relatively quickly, but transformation via digital technologies can be a longer term journey. I remember worked with an organization a year ago looking at how we could transform their customer engagement model. You know, we started with, well, what are those things that we think customers would value from us if we were able to deliver them in a digital context, right? And then what was our level of difficulty in actually meeting those needs? But then you can take that model and you can take a 360 degree view of your business and you can say, well, what are all the other things we can do to digitize products, digitize services, improve our digital interactions with suppliers, right? I mean, there gets to be a long list. And I think that may be sort of going from digital marketing to a 360 degree digital transformation or digitally enabled transformation might be a good way to kind of think about short, mid and longer term. Yeah, and you're right. Every company is looking for efficiency, right? Every company is thinking about how do I really produce my service or product lesser cost and get to more people and getting more hands, right? So is digital an enabler for you? Then look into that. You know, mm-hmm. try and see where you know what are the possibilities that digital, whether it's storage, whether it's marketing, whether it's product development, whether it's going to new segments faster, cheaper. You have to look at all those alternatives. Right. Of course, as CMOs, you and I would both say, hey, you have to start from the outside in, right? Look at the market, ask customers, right? Don't just sort of do what you think they want to yeah. do but have a little bit of some insights and informed opinions before you start to build your priority list. You know, you and I, when we were kind of putting the show together, we talked about a couple of case studies. And interestingly enough, we both had a transformational growth case study from a fintech organization, a smaller one and a very large one. You know, why don't you kind of do a quick profile of your case study? I'll do the larger one, and then we'll see if we can do a little compare and contrast, Neil. As I said, you know, I've worked for as big as like Fortune 5, Fortune 10 kind of companies like Time Inc. and Magazine Publishing, you know, Fleet Bank and National Banks and all of the banks. But what really I felt is one of the most interesting and I realized the best transformational example would be, you know, this small pay trust. It was a SaaS fintech startup 
in Princeton, New Jersey, $100, $150 million already invested in the company, and they were losing almost $60 million in a year, $5 million per month burn rate. So oh. it's not even having any revenue. Whatever revenue they were doing was not enough. They were actually losing. And what we did is, when my back was against the wall, what I said is that, let's just look at who is transacting with us right now. Who is using this? And what we realized is that the customers who are using our system to receive their bills and pay their bills are the customers that belong to these big banks. So we suddenly realized that, oh, we are going directly to the consumers, but the consumers don't want to deal with us. They want to deal with the banks. Immediately right then and there itself, as we said earlier, look at the data, look at what the customers are telling you. And the customers told us that they prefer transacting with the banks because they trust them with their checkbook. They're not going to trust a third party. We shifted our business model. We went after the banks and we went after the bank's customers and we told the banks, you can use our system and transact under mm -hmm. your platform. And as a result of that, we changed our pricing, you know, per customer pricing. We literally did a 360. And we were able to raise from losing $60 million a year, we turned into a $24 million net revenue. And with that, it's like 140% improvement. And we did that in nine months to 12 months. And literally, we were sold to into QuickBooks basically bought us, which is current company is into. Yeah, that's a great success story. I'll give you one from a larger corporation who's taken a lot longer to sort of get to the transformational model. And that would be Deluxe Corporation in the Twin Cities. People used to say Deluxe and customers would fill in the rest of the name. Oh, you mean Deluxe check printers, right? Because for many, many years, 80 years, Deluxe was the largest check printer in the United States. And when I joined them in the 90s, they'd known for 20 years that there was going to be a day when fewer checks were written than the previous day. And that was going to be the tipping point of their market. And what they didn't know was what was going to cause that to happen or when. And, you know, there's a thing I call good paranoia. So, you know, this was always top of mind for the leadership, right? That they knew they needed a second act and perhaps a third act. And so they kept investing in the small business side of Deluxe which some years ago eclipsed the financial side of Deluxe as the main revenue and profit contributor to the business. And today, Deluxe doesn't look much like a check printer, although I'm sure that core business is still creating some great cash flow to invest in some of these new ventures. So I think those are two really good examples of a large company, a small company recognizing the need. One was perhaps in your example, a more pressing need, because if they wouldn't have kind of made this shift in strategy, they would have been out of business. The Lux yeah. had lots of cash flow, so they could have lived on without really understanding the need to transform, but they kept looking for opportunities and, you know, it took longer for them to do so, but they've ultimately gotten there. And today, I think the bulk of the business is in the small business side of their organizations. Do you have any thoughts on those case studies, Neil? Yeah, no, I mean, I was a customer of Deluxe and I stopped using them in 2000 because we started making all the payments through ELA, you know, through e yeah. right? Right. No, I think the case studies are really a great example of a startup that is losing money. I mean, again, let's not beat around the bush. It's losing $150 million 
that the investors have really put in, and we are really doing nothing to turn that company around. While in fact, we were so bent upon following whatever we believe to be the thing to do, not following what the data is telling us, not following what the customer is telling us. And the Mm -hmm. moment you start doing that, you see a turnaround. So I think the examples are really very nicely laid out. Transformation growth can happen to both small and large companies alike. You follow the fundamentals, which is mindset, as well as what are the growth levers that you need to maximize. That's a great closing point to today's program, because we've talked about what transformational growth is, how it's different from incremental growth. You know, we've talked about why a company or an organization needs to consider it sort of when they might recognize they really need to get moving on it. But I think the biggest takeaway point is mindset. We talked about the fact that a lot of organizations just haven't ever been in a position where they've had to honestly consider this in order to continue to build a healthy future for their organization. You know, I'll go back to the Kyle Arneson program on the practical CMO. You know, that conversation was all about mindset, right? You know, he's a strong believer that you have to have leadership who understand the criticalness, the urgency, willing to sort of take a managed risk. Because, you know, I mean, this is there's risk attached to this. We're being honest about it, right? Mm-hmm. But you manage the risk. You mitigate the risk. You don't just do one thing. You may need to do a couple of different things so that one doesn't work. You didn't bet your whole future on just one outcome. So what other summary points would you like to leave our audience no, today, it, Neil? It, you're right. The mindset is number one, because if you don't have the mindset, you're not going to be able to cope with the constant change, right? We know that change is constant. We know business are going to change. We know the consumer is going to change. So you have to be prepared. Preparedness comes from the mindset. If you have the mindset, you have that built in, then everybody in the organization is also built with the same mindset. So therefore, change to them is nothing new. Change Mm -hmm. to them seems like it's normal, everyday business for us. And that's where you have to get to that level because then you can have a sustainable growth. Then you can outperform any competition. Yeah. And of course, who wouldn't want to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anil, thanks for being on the Practical CMO. It's been really a fascinating discussion. I think one that's got some great practical tips for our audience. We'll put our contact information in the show header, but people want to reach out to you. How would you like them to do that? Yeah, I mean, they can reach out any way they want to, but I think the email is the fastest and the best way. It's async at chiefoutsiders.com. They can also contact me through LinkedIn, and it's linkedin.com in Sync CMO. So Great. they can reach out either way. And at some point, we can start giving out phone numbers too. Yeah, that's all right. All right, Neil, thanks so much. Thanks, everybody, for joining another show. And Thanks for having me. In. This has been awesome. Mark, it's been really great. Yeah, well, it's a good conversation, a very timely topic as well as companies start to figure out how do they come out of the health crisis with as much momentum as possible, right? Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We'll listen in for another program next month.